Galatians chapter 1, beginning at verse 11. I want a lot of, well, not a lot, but enough. Enough Bible verses to read. Uh, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age, among my own people, so extremely zealous was I for traditions of my fathers. Verse 15, But when he who had set me apart before I was born, who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. Normally skip down to verse uh, 22 through 24. And I was still unknown in the persons of the churches of Judea, and that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Uh, Lord, we thank you for Living Faith Church. 35 years of ministry. Uh, 35 years of, of open gospel. Preaching the uncompromised word of God. Uh, we thank you that, that many foundations have been laid. Many lives have been impacted. Uh, because of this church, uh, because of Frank Thomas, because of his obedience. So we continue to thank you for all you have done in our lives. We ask you right now to speak to us in this word, uh, encourage us, uh, strengthen us, point us to you. Uh, if there's anything blocking your, our view of you today, we, Lord, we ask that, that it be removed in our lives so that we may see you clearly. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Title of the message this morning is Beyond the Headlines, Because of Me. Because of Me. I, I thought I was reading in Galatians about two weeks ago, and I, I, I got down to, I, I, I guess, we really, we're terrible about that, aren't we? We, we, we know, hey, it's only 24 verses. We just skip that last verse. We just kind of blow over it and head to the next chapter. And I got to verse 24, and I was like, man, they glorified. Paul said, these people didn't know who I was, heard about the dramatic change that's been placed in my life, and because of me, they were glorifying God. Because of the change in my life, they were now glorifying God. And the, the Lord really, like, I don't want to say punched me, but literally I felt like, wow. I mean, it's, you know, a light bulb moment came on. Because of me. Of course, we can look at that both ways, and that's kind of what we're going to do today. Uh, we are impacting people whether we know it or not. We are impacting people whether we know it or not. We may not think we are. We may think we're keeping to ourselves. We may think we stay in our own lane and nobody pays attention to us. Yes, they do. They pay attention to you. They're watching you. They may not take. They may not come up and say, hey, here's what I saw you did this week. right? But they're watching us. They're, they're watching our lives. Beyond the headlines. We're all captivated by the headlines, aren't we? We talked about this a few weeks ago. Beyond the headlines, it's okay to admit we're not okay. It's kind of an extension of that. Uh, yet the headlines are just there to capture our attention. When you go to the uh, uh, Kroger and you're checking out, you notice I didn't say Kroger's. I'm getting better, Kelly. In my old age, I, am. I used to call it Kroger's, and Kelly would always say it's Kroger. Everybody said Kroger's. Um, so I'm getting See what happens when you're 49? You learn things. If that's all I've learned, I'm Scary place, but I've learned that. Uh, but when you stand in line at Kroger or Wally World or anywhere else, you're checking out and they have all that tabloids in front of you. My baby's a Marsha. Right? All this stuff. Uh, Brad Pitt now dates so-and-so. I mean, you, just, you know, they broke up after two weeks and now he's with somebody else. We get all that. We get a bunch of headlines and all that is is to capture 
our attention. And that's what the headlines do, do sometimes. They don't tell the whole story. We, we read the headline and our headline says, I'm a Christian. But our story says something else. <laughs> our headline says, I love Jesus. Yeah. But the paragraphs preceding say something else. I've told you that story. I was in San Antonio, Texas about seven years ago at a, at a work conference. And the evening festivities was at a pub, right? So we all go to this pub. Everybody's congregating. And there's this guy with the shirt on. It says, the Lord's Gym. Remember the Lord's Gym shirt? And it says, his pain, your gain on the back. You know, Jesus died for you. He's sitting there with this Lord's Gym shirt on. Just double fisting, man. I'm like, dude, take the shirt off. Right? Take the shirt off, bro. You're killing it for the wrong reasons. Right? He had a, he had a Michelob and a Budweiser in his hand, just, just hammering it with, with the Lord's gym shirt on. No, man, that's, that's, you're in the wrong gym. That's not your gym. That's not the Lord's gym. And we all make an impact. We are influencing something. Our T-shirt or our bumper sticker may say one thing, but how do we live our lives? Our giving, our, our service may say one thing, but how do we really live our lives? Because of me, Paul said, there are people glorified in the church today. There's people in the church, Paul said, because of the dramatic change that was seen in my life. Because of me. Because of me. That really grabbed my attention while reading in the first chapter of Galatians. When I read that, I immediately began to think of people in my life that have impacted me both positively and negatively. Made you think right now, didn't it? Some of you are going, ooh, yeah, I remember that guy. He was terrible. We live in a time where people are longing for something real. People want something real. Something they can rely on. Something that is authentic. Something that is seldom known because we've allowed our culture to tell us there is no truth. We've allowed our culture to say there is no right or there is no wrong. There is no moral code, our world tells us. It's every man for himself. Yet the planet is starving for truth. For starving for truth. You know, when I buy something, when we buy something, we want the truth, right? Amen. We go to buy a car, we want the truth. Right? And we do have some really cool car salesmen in this, in this building. Stephen Upman is on this end of the valley, down in Charleston, Mitsubishi. He'll cheat you right, he'll treat you right. <laughs> we got Hoop all the way over in Whitesville, West Virginia. If you really want to go there, you really want to buy a car. Right? And then we got the Somersville area covered with Cameron Boggs. We got we got car folks all around us. Right? And and they, they cheat I mean they treat you right. They do. They treat you right. But one thing one thing you buy like when you get a car is man, you ever try to buy tires? You call somewhere and say, Hey, you got this side? Yeah, I got it. How much are they? Seventy five dollars a tire. Really? I don't want them. And you go down there and you find out there's another seventy five dollars added on per tire. Right? They got to put air in it. I didn't know there was a charge for that. We got to dispose of your old tire. We got to do this. We got an EPA recycling fee. We got to put a new nozzle on it. We got to make sure. I mean, I mean, it's like, man, it costs more than a tire just to put a tire on. And some of that is truthful. And we make that call and we're like, ah, oh. so I won't lie. I dread sometimes shopping for tires because it's, there's so many hidden charges. It's not, they're not, it's not that they're being untruthful. They're just not sharing all the information with you. Right? Right? And, and I want, but I want to know when I buy something, I want the full truth. I want it all laid out in front of me. And that's what we want as Christians or as people on the planet. We want the same thing when it comes to truth. Tell me the truth. What's it really going to cost? Don't, don't, don't sugarcoat it. This is not a sales pitch. Just tell me what it's going to cost. It's okay. Just tell me. 
I had one company I called in downtown. I called one company to say four hundred dollars for four tires and blah 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 blah. I called another one. It's eight hundred and fifty dollars for the same tire. And I thank you. I'm not coming there. Right? But we get we get so distinguished and so distracted when we buy something that, that we feel like people aren't truthful with us. We allow that to carry on into our world that we live in. We allow that to carry on in how we live our lives on a daily basis. And don't forget, I told you at the beginning, people are watching us. They're looking for something truthful. They're looking for something real. And are they seeing it? We get misled a lot by the world that's looking for truth. But if we know the one who is true. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. He said, no one comes to the Father except by me in John 14, 16. People are looking for something real, even in the church. We need to realize the world is looking for something real. We need to realize they're looking for something genuine, something that's not been tainted. When they see us, are we being real? We need to be the most genuine people on planet Earth. Period. There's no question that. We should be the most genuine, sincere, honest people on the entire planet. Christians should be. It really should be. In every aspect of our lives. At the drive through window, at the pharmacy window, you know, it should still be total respect. Everywhere we are. Because of me, Paul said. Because of me. Because people are watching. They are watching our lives. We've all been influenced with people over the course of our lives. Some of those impacts were negative. Some were positives. Some people taught us how we should live, while others taught us how I don't want to live. But we've all been impacted. I believe we have a duty as a church to make a positive impact on the world around us. Because of me, Paul said. Uh, I do want to point this out. He's not boasting here on himself. He is uh, just stating that his life had been so dramatically changed that it was so obvious to people around him that their lives were changed. They sought what he had. Basically, is what happened. His life was so dramatically changed, they wanted what he had. They wanted what he had. And I, I won't lie. The year was 1989. Uh, I was working at Kmart. Rest in peace. Uh, they finally turned the lights off. You notice that? We drove by for like six months. I was like, who's paying the bill? Like every light in the building was on. Who's paying the bill? Now it's dark. It's kind of scary. It's so dark. But I was working at Kmart in 1989. We had a sidewalk sale. How many of you like them sidewalk sales that Kmart had? Put your hands down. <laughs> Yo, you people who bought loved them. We people who worked hated them. We hated sidewalk sales. Because everything that, had, that you were buying, we had to get out there, then we had to pull it back. Right? And you had these managers who wanted it. You thought they were drill sergeants. They acted like it. They thought they were. They weren't. Uh, but I'll never forget, it was sidewalk sales, 1989, and I was the stock boy, code, code 500, so when you heard code 500 to the parking lot, that was me. Uh, that wasn't my clock number, my clock number was 54, which they retired, they did retire the clock number, I was told. Uh, it's such an amazing job, they said no one can ever have that number again. Of course, they shut all the Kmart down. Uh, so, I, so I'm like, it, it's like 9 o'clock, and there was a manager, I won't say his name, he was younger. And he was something else. And he's like, hey, go get the kinder, go get the fork truck, and go out. And I remember I was picking up toilet paper and paper towels and just, just pallets of stuff. And I'm, I'm going out back. And I go out back to the side, and we're rushing. Because it's Friday night, man. I haven't told you that. It's Friday night, and everybody wants to leave. 
The managers want to leave. Everybody's got plans. They're trying to get out of that place. And I put around the corner and Mr. I was going to say his name. Uh, he had the door held up. He had the door held up. And uh, he may be watching. I, hope, I mean, I hope he's watching, but he may not. <laughs> but he had that door pulled up. And I'll never forget. I mean, I was an amateur forklift rider. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't a professional fork truck rider. But I knew enough, right? And I'm driving that fork truck. And I said, hey, I don't think that door's high enough. And he proceeded to give me about every four-letter word in the dictionary. And I'm not talking about ball or wall, right? He proceeded to, to just shout me down and cuss me up one side down the other. Let me know he was in charge, right? And I'm like, I'm telling you, it's not high enough. Beep, 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 beep. And that wasn't me beeping the horn. That was him uh, telling me to get inside. All right, that's what you want. Sure enough, the door wasn't high enough. And there was an alarm sensor on that door. I broke it. I didn't. I should have broke it. He broke it because he didn't pull the door high enough. There was a little piece of metal protruding up on the top of the fork truck. And I knew in my amateurism that the door wasn't high enough. But he wouldn't listen to me. And I learned that day. I said, you know what, Don? If you're ever a leader of people, you need to listen to everybody on the team. Everybody's got a perspective. Everybody's got an angle that you don't have. Everybody sees something the way you don't see it. So that gentleman that night taught me to listen to their whole club. But somebody may see something that you don't see. They may see it in a different light that you don't see it. They see it in a different angle that you don't see it. The good news for me is I got to go home at 9.30. The bad news for him, he was there at 2 a.m. waiting for the alarm company to come and fix the door. Take that for you. All he had to do was pull up one more crank, boy, and I'd been in just like swimwear. Nope. Nope, you wouldn't listen. My second, my, my first big boy job, and before y'all know it, I was making... $2.85 an hour. Alright, that's what I was making. I'm saying that because Don Costin's about to stand up and say he worked for two cents an hour. Years ago. <laughs> I'm just I'm Amen. in before Costin. Amen. Yeah. Just in before Costin. But my second, my first big boy job, I graduate college, and I'm working at Monsanto Chemical Plant. And my boss was, man, he was everything you didn't want in the boss, right? I worked there for almost two years. I never forget my first raise. This is the type of person he was. My first raise, I walk in. I mean, he started me out six bucks an hour. I'm not gonna lie, which was I was that should have been a crime uh, for what I was doing. And he comes in to me after about six weeks. Says, hey, I'm giving you a raise. I was like, Yeah. He said 350 pennies. I'm sitting going. Really? After I thought about it, he gave me three dollars and fifty cents, which is nice. Thank you. Why couldn't you say I gave you $3.50? It's only 350 pennies an hour. That's the kind of guy he was. But I promised myself, when I ever, if I ever got to lead people, just like that door situation, just like that boss I worked for for nearly two years, I wasn't going to be those guys. I wasn't going to be those guys. They influenced me. They influenced my career. I guarantee you my employees are grateful. They have no idea about them. But I promise you they are grateful that I experienced those two men. Because of them, I, I did something different. Because of them, I chose a different path to lead people. I have 13 direct reports and 48 contractors that report to me. I don't treat them like neither of those guys. I promise you that. I treat them with respect. I treat them with dignity. And I honor their value and their opinion and their insight. Another person... Uh, has allowed me, I, I started preaching in this church about 25 years ago. 25 years ago, I remember preaching my first message in this church. 
And I'm thankful that because of you, I was given the opportunity to grow and to nourish. You took a young, little, skinny Boone County boy and you gave him an opportunity that a lot of people wouldn't give. I wouldn't give myself that either. But you have more faith in me than I had in myself. Because of you, I thank you for that. I thank you for what you did here at Living Faith Church, and we're grateful. Because of you, we're all here today. Amen. Amen. Because of you. Forever changed. It wasn't just me, it was Chris Caligrasso and Terry Russell and Andy and BG and Mark. There were several of us, and Thomas, that he allowed to preach during that season to let us mature. And to let us learn to cut our teeth, so to speak. And, and the cool thing is we're all in ministry. We're all impacting people throughout the world uh, because of you. All right? So we can look at you and say thank you. Don't ever minimize the impact you've had. Not on this church, but on the world. You've changed the world, Pastor Frank Thomas. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that. But Paul said because of me. And can we have that testimony? Can we really look back and say, you know what? I lived a life in a way that people's lives were changed. Not because of who I was, but because of who I served. Because of the one I lived for. Because of me. I, I gave you a bunch of negatives, right? I had a bunch of people in my life that didn't always treat me right, or they taught me things. And you know what? That's, that's on them. That's not on me. I learned from that situation. But it's taught me to be real. It's taught me to be who I am everywhere I am. Because of me, Paul's conversion changed People's lives. It changed people's lives. Think about that for a moment. His conversion in Acts chapter 9, he was going from place to place and he was riding through Damascus and, and the, 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 the light of the Lord shined down and says, Oh, Paul, why are you persecuting against me? And the Bible actually says that everyone that was with him heard it, but they didn't see it. They audibly heard the voice of Jesus, but they saw no one speaking. He was blinded for three days. Ananias comes, who was told by the Spirit to go down to this house and lay hands on him. And Ananias knew who Saul was. And God said, I've got a plan for him. And he was obedient. That moment in time changed not only Paul's life, it changed lives around them. And when we said yes to Jesus and no to the devil, guess what? Lives around us should also be changed. They should also be impacted. Why? Because of who we serve. Not because of who we are, not because of what we've done, but because who He is. And the transformation He's made in our lives. Not something Paul said, not something he did, it's how he lived. It wasn't his politics, it wasn't his education, but it was his relationship with Jesus Christ. Because of me, he said in Galatians. Our headlines may paint a certain picture, but our lives may tell a different story. We all look like and act like Christians in here. What do our lives say about us out there? There are people watching. They're observing us. What do they see in us? What do they see in our social media posts? It's easy to look right in the sanctuary, but what do others see when we're out there? Paul's conversion may not have silenced all his critics. I want to point that out. He probably still had critics. Right? He didn't live a, didn't live a luxury, luxurious life when you read uh, the epistles and, and all the books he wrote. But his walk with Christ was changing people's lives because of, him, because of him. Paul went from denying Jesus to proclaiming Jesus. 
It went from killing Christians to building churches. Yes. Don't tell me people can't change. Ha! Amen. And that change doesn't affect other people. It's more than who sees us. It's more than who we think we impact. It's who we affect. It's who we affect. You throw a small pebble into a creek. And you're going to see some ripples, aren't you? You'll see where it landed and it'll ripple out a little bit and it'll fade away. You throw a two-ton boulder in a creek, you affect it. <laughs> You've changed the direction of the creek. By putting a two-ton boulder. And so many of us think we're just throwing pebbles to the world. When God says, I need you to be a two-ton boulder. Wherever you live, wherever you work, wherever you operate, you need to affect. Not just impact, you need to affect. And I've seen the impact in my life. Mark has seen the impact in his life. We work, we all, and all of you that work in the world, uh, we see the impact. People will, oh, I didn't mean to cuss. You ever had that happen to you? Oh, sorry, I let it slip. I apologize. Right? That means I've impacted them. I want to affect you, man. I don't want a small ripple. I want you to see what's real. I want you to see that this gospel message is life-changing, life-altering. It's real. I want, you to, I want to affect you. Amen. We all have an impact on people. The question is, what is the impact you have? Do you push people away from Christ with the way you live? Do you cause people to seek Christ with the way you live? Or maybe you just confuse people. <laughs> they don't watch the thing, right? I don't know where you are, but you're one of those three things. You're either pushing them away, you're drawing them to, or you have them standing there scratching your head because they don't love them. We're doing something. Our lives are watched and observed by everyone we meet. We have an audience, whether we believe it or not. Some of the watches are routines, our habits, our responses, and our attitudes. Second Corinthians chapter 5. A few more verses of scripture. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But that but what we are is known to God, and I hope it is also known to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast our outward appearance and not what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that the one who died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him. And for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we now regard him thus no longer. All I have written here, and I was going to do points, and I just couldn't get this to a point place, the sermon, you know, point number one. Uh, but I, I wrote this down, and, and it's no longer a choice, but rather our responsibility. It's no longer a choice. When Jesus Christ becomes Lord of your life, it's no longer a choice. It's a responsibility. Yes. We think, oh, I... That's my choice. That's my, no, it's not. It's your responsibility. When I go to work tomorrow, I have responsibilities I have to fulfill. I don't get to tell my boss, I just made a choice. I didn't think that was the right choice for my life today. No, no. You know what people say? We need to have a talk. You have responsibilities, Tom. You work for this company. You have responsibilities. Guess what? You work in this kingdom. You have responsibilities. Yeah. They ain't all choices anymore. This gospel message, it's 
not a choice anymore. Witnessing is not a choice. It's a responsibility. How we live our lives, how we convey our lives, is no longer a choice. It's a responsibility. Next week, we're going to blow that screen up. For this Saturday. We're going to broadcast the West Virginia Mountaineer football game. And Bo is going to sit beside me and we're going to say, oh, first down, right? <laughs> but you know what? That screen, we're projecting something on it. All of our lives are a 20-foot screen. We're projecting something. We're projecting something to the world. What are they seeing? It's not a choice anymore, church. It's, it's our responsibility. Paul just sat there in, in 2 Corinthians and we no longer look at people in the flesh anymore. We don't look at them in the same eyes in the same way. Because of the fear of the Lord controls us, he told us in verses 11 through 16. The fear here does not mean that Paul was terrorized by God. He wasn't afraid he was blasted with a lightning bolt from the Heavenly Father because he messed up. That's not the fear he's talking about. The fear is the future. The fear is, hey man, if these people don't come to the reality of who Jesus Christ is, they're eternally damned. Right. It's forever. Eternity is a long time. Saw the t-shirt. Eternity is a long time to be wrong. It's too long to be wrong. Right. Right? And the only place you can be wrong is here. Now, because once you get to eternity... It's already over. The book's already been written. The chapter's already been closed. It's too long to yes. be wrong. Yes. But he had awe, reverential awe towards God. He gave his best, best efforts to win others and maintain an honest and well-intentional personal ministry. Every Christian who truly fears the Lord must reflect these qualities in the kind of service that we do for God. No longer do we judge anyone by human standards, he tells us. Here in 2 Corinthians. And that's our problem. We want to grade people on our best intentions and their worst day. That's how we grade people, isn't it? Well, I intended to do well. Daryl messes up, man. I grade him not on his intentions. I grade him on what he did. Shame on us. Shame on us. The Bible here says we don't grade on it. We don't use that standard anymore. The standard's Jesus. Amen. Yes. The standard's Christ. My perspective has changed now that Christ is leading my life. So therefore now I seek to see people how Jesus sees them. As valuable and worth the effort. Yes. I'm going to repeat that. They're valuable and they're worth the effort. Amen. People yes. are worth the effort. And you know when I think about Tony... He gave effort. Not, not just for his children, but if I showed up at a ball game, or if he came to watch Caleb pitch, or we were at uh, uh, Frank's eating a cow zone, he would secretly run off and buy. That's just who he was. He felt everybody was worth the effort. Yes, sir. Worth it. Why? Because we're King's kids. Yes. We're created by the Creator. Therefore, we're worth it. That's yeah. one of the greatest things I remember about him. Didn't matter where I was. Didn't matter how quick I saw him or how fast the conversation was. You knew you were worth the effort. He took the time to stop. It was personal. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. You know what? That's God's standards. That's yeah. God's standards. He says, all of you, you're worth the effort, he said. My son Jesus being sent from heaven to rescue you, Robert. He said, you're worth the effort. Amen. You were worth the effort. Yes. 
amazing God we serve. Paul points out a couple things in Corinthians. He reminds them that God has sought people out. In other words, God is reaching out to people. It was God who sought a way in which to have a relationship with us when Adam and Eve separated it. It was God who, through Jesus, dealt with our sin. We didn't even do that. We couldn't even do that. The saving grace of Jesus Christ is a gift from God. And God made no difference between us. He didn't rank me any higher or lower than Frank Thomas. He said, you're both worth the effort. Yes. You're both worth the effort. God was making all human beings His friends through Christ, Paul tells us. God did not follow class or racial distinctions and determine that some were more worthy of having their sins forgiven than others. The only qualifications there was is you existed. For God so loved the world. It's not about what we believe. It's not about how we treat one another. It's not just about how we treat one another in this church building. It's about how we engage with people out there. Amen. We need to have a positive impact and we must affect our world. Not just a ripple effect, but an effect that changes their direction. Second Corinthians, let's read a few more verses. Chapter 5, 17 through 20. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God, who was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Aren't you glad? Yes. He don't count our trespasses against us. And entrusting us to this message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. Man, read that with me. Yes. God making his appeal to the world through us. Yes. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Yes. Man. Amen. We're His ambassadors. He's using us. He chose this method. I don't know why. I'd have been the last guy He would have chose. You would have been the next to the last guy He would have chose. Right? But He did it anyway. He still chose us. This is His message. This is his, the way He wants it shared on planet Earth. Yes. And since it's His way, I'm a new creation. I've never existed before. Amen. We are new. When we think of new, we immediately think of new cars or new tires or new windows or new siding or a new roof or a new carpet. Cool thing about this carpet is if we have a wedding, which we've had before, and someone burns a spot, we can literally pull up one tile and replace it. It's pretty cool. When you have all that carpet and then somebody did that, ain't going much with that. Put a speaker over it. So if you see some random potted, potted plant, that's what's happening. Somebody burnt some. Right? But when we think of new, this, this carpet will eventually age and wear out slightly. Um, and just like our old carpet lasted 33 years, it began to show its age. When we think of new, we think of fresh off the assembly line. Right? Brand new, but... We know things get dated and, and, and it, gets, it wears out. But you know what? This, this newness of Christ, it doesn't wear out. Amen. I, I'm not some product that's going to deteriorate. This relationship is not about deterioration. This relationship is not about uh, how I'm going to fade or, or, or have to be replaced again someday. This is a newness that takes place every single day of our life. The Bible says His mercy and grace is renewed every morning. 
Yeah. Every morning. Amen. His mercies are renewed on our lives. New mercies every day. I'm not a big leftover fan. And God knows this. I'm giving you something fresh every day. Unless it's Frank's calcium. I'd eat that every day. <laughs> Even heat it up. Even heat it up. Let me tell you something this morning. Very important. If you're a Christian, then there is nothing regular about you. Nothing. You have access to the very throne of God. You have authority to use a name that is above every name in heaven and in earth. There is nothing normal about you now. So let's quit acting like this is a choice. It's now our responsibility. It's now our responsibility. And that is true of all Christians, not just a select few. You may say to yourself, well, I'm not good enough, but let me share with you. Your excuses have nothing to do with what qualifies us. God has chosen us. Regardless of how we feel about ourselves, He sees us under the blood of His Son. Yeah. It reminds me of fourth grade. You know, when I was in grade school, now, now it seems like everybody has free lunch. You know, our, our socially economic areas, the demographics determine whether the school gets free lunches or not. But when I went to Ashford Elementary, Tigers, go Tigers, um, we literally had to bring 10 or 15 cents in every day to pay for lunch. And now you may have been on reduced lunch, right? You may have been a quarter, but if your family situation was a little different, you may have got lunch for 15 cents. But if you didn't bring food, the money you didn't eat. Not that food. It was good food back then. It was good stuff. Uh, any cooks in the building? It's still good. The pepperoni rolls are really good. Um, but we would come in with our 15 cents, and Miss, our teacher would raise, who's eating lunch? You'd raise your hand, she'd ask you to bring your money up, and you'd lay it on the desk. And as soon as she collects your money, she'd check you off. All right, Don gets to eat today. And, and every day she got to pick one cool student who got to take the money to the office. I love that day. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Don, it's your day. And then I get with this little pouch of money. I had a hall pass. Right? They give you a hall pass because if the principal or somebody saw you out in the hall, you weren't supposed to be there, you just flash it. I got a hall pass! <laughs> I got a hall pass! You can't judge me! Hall pass! <laughs> you know what? That's what Jesus has done in our lives. He's given us a hall pass. People are judging us, criticizing. You say, got a hall pass. Jesus said, I'm forgetting. I'm a new creation. I've never existed before. I had a right to be here. That hall pass told me I had a right to be in the hall. Jesus has given us all pass. says, you have a right to be here. Through the blood of my son, you have a right to be right where you are. Because of me. It's time to make an impact. It's time to change the world. Not just through rocks, but to change the world. As an ambassador of Christ, you, now, you never represent yourself. You always represent God. That's what we read here in 2 Corinthians. We're now ambassadors. I don't represent Don. I'm representing, I'm representing God. That's why it's no longer a choice. It's a responsibility. Change the world. We are His ambassadors. We are His official representatives here on earth. Yes. And how do we represent on our daily routines? How do we affect others? We have to express this message in our worlds. This is our purpose. Many people don't know the purpose of something. They misuse it, don't they? 
I bought a skill saw about 25 years ago. I found out really quick, the skill didn't come with the saw. It didn't. It's like, how'd that happen? Right? The skill don't come in the box. you got to earn the skill. And that's the same way of our lives. You just don't get saved and you just have it all figured out. Know how to do everything right. You got to develop. Do people like that, who impact our lives, who give us a little bit of rope, right? Not a lot of rope, just a little. <laughs> all right, Don, we get 10 minutes. Right? They get a little bit. And slowly, we, we develop something. We develop that skill. And that's the problem. We, we, this is witnessing for Jesus Christ isn't an experiment. This is not a, when you don't know how to use something, it becomes an experiment, don't it? When you don't know what something's purpose is, you're like, ah, how does this work? Right? No. This is not an experiment anymore. It's a responsibility. The cause of me. The cause of me. The cause of the dramatic change that was seen in his life. The cause of me. Don't be offensive. 2 Corinthians 6 3 says, We put no obstacle or stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Think about that. We're out there living our lives. We don't need to be a stumbling block. We don't need to be something that blocks people from coming to Jesus. A college professor said to his students, If there are any dumbbells in the room, please stand up. There was a pause, and a lone freshman stood up in the back of the room. The professor said, What do you do? Do you consider yourself a dumbbell? Well, not exactly, but I hate to see you standing all alone. (laughs) Don't be a stumbling block. The Living Bible actually reads, We try to live in such a way that no one will ever be offended or kept back from finding the Lord by the way we act. Yes. We discredit. You know, some denominations discredit versions, different versions of the Bible. I like them. I'll read it in... King Jimmy, I'll read it in New King Jimmy, I'll read it in NIV, I'll read it in ESV, I'll go to Amplified, because I, I want to see those words and how they relate in our world. But that's powerful. We live in such a way that no one's offended or kept back from finding the Lord by the way we act. I should speak louder than words, but we need to watch how we're talking to. Yeah. Talking negatively can be an obstacle to others in the church and outside the church. We've experienced this extraordinary love of Christ as He sacrificed Himself for us. And this experience is so powerful, so transforming, that we can do nothing other than spread this wonderful message. Yes. Amen. That's all we can do. I'm not sure if you've ever thought about it before, but God has given us all an immense privilege. An immense responsibility. God has asked us broken, sinful people to be in partnership with Him. The God of the universe is saying, let's work together, Don, to change the world. Let's, let, let's work together to change the world. We're part of this plan. We're, we're a crucial part of it. And there comes a scary responsibility. We represent Him to the world. We represent Him in the way we talk, in the way we treat each other, in the way we treat outsiders. But even more so, God relies on us to do our job. Not that He isn't powerful enough to do it without us, but He has given us an incredibly important task to do. Become interested in people.
can only influence those around you. Dale Carnegie once said, you can make more friends in two months by becoming interested in people than you can in two years by trying to get people interested in you. That's powerful. You start showing interest in people, you'll make a lot of friends. You can spend two years trying to make them like you, you won't have very many friends. Make our lives better with us than without us. Your work, your home, the cause of Christ could be better the cause of us there than without us. Strive to be the person that each moment needs. Sometimes we lead. Sometimes we follow. But we're always listening. Always listening. It's no longer a choice, church. We're new creations. It's our responsibility. It's not a choice to worship. It's our responsibility. It's not a choice to serve. It's our responsibility. It's not a choice to give. It's our responsibility. Now, why? Because we're new creations. Yes. We've never existed before. Let us pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you that we, living through you, can impact a world that desperately needs you. And I know so many times we don't feel like we have the skill set or the right teaching or the right anointing in our lives to make the impact that we think we need to make when all you've told us to do is be real. That's all you're asking us, is just be real. Wherever we are, in every situation, our response, our attitudes, just be real. Lord, I know I'm not where I need to be at times. Uh, I may distract more than I attract people to Christ. So start with me, God. Cleanse me. Purge me. Renew within me the right spirit. Renew within me the joy of your salvation. In Jesus' name, Lord.